The final season of Power Book 2, Ghost, begins. And for Tariq St. Patrick, it's the moment of truth. In the wake of being betrayed, pushed out of the drug game, and almost killed, Tariq is out for revenge. Will he prove to be like his father and do whatever is to be done to protect his family and his future? Or is he his own man? Power Book 2, Ghost, the final season. Watch now only on Stars and the Stars app. In the pressure cooker of the NBA playoffs, there's no room to fake it. Every pass, shot, and dribble is immediately consequential. The playoffs are the time for the real. Real stakes, real emotions, real sweat, blood, and tears. Real legacies. Which teams will rise from the chaos? Which teams will conquer? Which team is going to make this year their year? You already know when and where to find these moments of unscripted, pure entertainment. The NBA Finals continue. Tune in on ABC. State Farm Insurance knows that understanding and investing in our cultural identity is paramount in protecting our future. We know what it's like to go from nothing to something, to wish that we had better financial literacy when we were younger. Luckily, State Farm is here to help. With funding programs like Project Ready, which is committed to education achievement and has already awarded over $11 million in scholarship offers to black and brown youth since 2021. State Farm believes that being better neighbors creates better communities. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Tez, I want to ask you a question real quick. Let's just keep it real straight shot with no chaser. I'm going to get a little bit rough. I'm here for those who really believe in the American process. All of us. Straight shot, no chaser. With your girl, Tesla Figaro, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. What's going on, straight shooters? This is Tesla Figaro, your host of the Straight Shot, No Chaser Podcast. We are still covering the Derek Chauvin trial who murdered George Floyd. I, last week, I hold you. I hope you had an opportunity to listen to the last podcast with attorney Natalie Jackson, where we discussed uh, many of the things about the trial that I think you need to know as far as the charges, the job that the prosecution is doing, the defense, the whole thing. A lot of times right now in the commentary space, you're only getting bits and pieces and you're kind of forced to put these things together as a puzzle to make it all make sense. So I wanted to make sure that we utilize this platform, Straight Shot No Chaser podcast, to really get into the weeds of things with my friend, well-known, renowned attorney, civil rights attorney, Natalie Jackson. She's here again with me to join me to talk more about the case, and we're going to get straight into it. I don't want to hold us up any longer because there's so much information. She's been watching the trial every day. I've been watching the trial. You've been watching the trial. Let's get into it. Thank you so much, Attorney Jackson, for joining me again uh, for this special edition. Thanks for having me, Taz. I'm excited to get into it again. All right, let's get into it. So the last podcast, we stopped on the charges. You broke down all the different charges, what comes with you know those charges, how uh, those charges came about. Let's get into one of the number one questions that I've been getting on social media, a question that even I had for you that you had to educate me on to make sure I had a complete, full understanding, which is Rule 404. People say, why is it that Derek Chauvin's Past misconduct, 18 different complaints, some investigated, some not, but 18 different misconduct complaints over his 19-year career. Why is that not included in the trial? Because what they see, Natalie, is George Floyd's background being discussed, that the prosecution put that out immediately, which is what they call take the sting out of it. They put it out there immediately. And they say, why is it that George Floyd's background is being discussed and why not? Chauvin's record and not being discussed. Please explain to the people what Rule 404 is and why it is so important even for us if we were sitting at the defendant table. Okay, so there's a federal Rule 404. That's the federal rule. Each state has a version of that rule. So Minnesota has a version of that rule. Where I am in Florida, we have a version of that rule. And it, and it pretty much reflects and it's the same as the federal rule, which says that you cannot bring in evidence that shows that someone had a propensity to do something. So it's called character evidence, inadmissible character evidence. Um, and the reason we have that rule is because when somebody's on trial, you're trying them for what they did, not who they are. So that's one of the reasons that we have that rule. So if you think about it like that. Now, when we talk about George Floyd, the things that we have seen them talk about is his drug use. And the reason that they're able to talk about that drug use is because the drug use has become an issue in this trial as far as causation. Mm -hmm. So you have to allow a defendant 
to be able to defend themselves on all the different things that could have happened. This is the leeway that we give defendants in the United States. And also you have to allow a defendant to defend himself just on the charge, not on the fact that he's a bad person, not on the fact that he may have done stuff in the past. And I know a lot of people are like, well, dang, we need to have that. But as you and I talked about, Tez, this works two ways. This is a rule that I like. <laughs> I like it because it forces, it forces you to only have to deal with the charge that you have. If you think about, you know, people, especially people that we may know who may have had issues with drugs in the past or all of that, if they have a, tr a crime and that's allowed to be brought up to be used against them for a, let's say they shot left <laughs> and they got, you know, they had drugs in the past got caught with marijuana or something. It wouldn't be fair to allow them to say, oh, well, you're, you're a marijuana user or you're a drug user in a shoplifting trial because people, the jury might convict them of being a bad person as opposed to what they did. So let's pause there so that people can understand it in the basic, simplest terms. Some of Chauvin's misconduct has been ruled admissible. Some of his cases because they were similar to what he did with George Floyd, has been ruled admissible. So admissible means the judge says, hey, you know, I'll go ahead and let that in. It actually being admitted into evidence is if the prosecution or the defense says we want to admit this into evidence to be considered for the jury Pardon. to consider uh, as a part of the case. Some of his past conduct has been ruled admissible. At this stage where we are now, which for those who don't know, we're recording on Tuesday, April 13th, his past misconduct has not been admitted into court. Let's just start just right there. The cases that have been admissible, which means they were similar to this case. Why is it that the prosecution, at least at this stage, has not admitted it into evidence? Because it does show not that he's a bad person, but it shows that he has done something similar to, to what he did to George Floyd. Why is it that the prosecution has not, at least what, what you would append, uh, uh, think your opinion on, why they have not admitted it into evidence at this stage? Well, I think you skipped the spot. So let me, okay. let's go back. So okay. what, there are exceptions to all the rules in criminal law. So there's a rule that says, um, it excludes evidence connecting a defendant with other crimes, except for the purpose of impeachment. So that's the rule, right? So you can't bring any evidence of other crimes, acts, or wrongdoings, except for impeachment. That's the rule. Now, now wait, let's let's explain that in layman's terms, Natalie, because they're not understanding. Impeachment means lying. Like, re translate that so the regular person understands. You, you can't bring it in unless we catch your ass lying. That's right. basically what that exactly. says? Okay, that's, yeah. That's, that's, that's <laughs> so I, I got to explain it to the people that way they understand. Okay. And thank you for saying it. That's yeah. exactly <laughs> So, and, and it has to be the defendant lying. So okay. now you can imagine in some cases, the defendant doesn't take the stand, right? Right. So there are exceptions to this rule. And with every rule in criminal law, there's exceptions or, or any sort of in civil law too. There's exceptions to this evidence rules, to these evidence rules. The exception is if you're bringing it in, not to prove that they have a propensity to do these type of crimes, but you're bringing it in to show that they have a modus operandi. This is what they do when they catch suspects, you know, they put their knee on their neck and hold them down. This is how they operate. This is their, are you want to talk about their intent that this is what they meant to do because they've done it over and over again. It's motive, opportunity, intent, preparation, plan, knowledge, identity, absent of mistake. Those are all the reasons that you're allowed to bring character evidence in. So let me translate that for the hood. Okay. Because I want to make sure they're following you. It's an exception to the rule if we catch you lying. It's an exception to the rule of what I say, if that's your get down. Meaning, if that's how we know that's how you do, let me just break. Because I want the listeners to get this because you use a whole lot of big words. Okay. I want to make sure they follow it. Right. Well, let me say, that's why evidence is really hard for people to understand. Unfortunately, these are the these are the instructions juries get. That's why juries get so confused, as you can imagine. Yeah, absolutely. I totally agree. But that's why we're here. We're going to do the translation. So if it was a man and a woman in a situation and I know you lie 
And I know you go do you every Tuesday you go lie and you have this relationship with this woman and you do the same thing every single time. Every single time you get a woman, you meet her every Tuesday. It's your pattern. It's your M.O. It's your behavior. You do it with intent of knowing I'm going to meet a woman and I'm going to meet her on Tuesday. No matter who that woman is, it doesn't matter. I'm always going to cheat with a woman on Tuesday at six o'clock at this hotel. If I can prove that, that is what you mean when you say, okay, now that can be evidence because we can prove that this is something you intended to do based upon your past behavior. And now it is evidence. You've done it many times before. Right. And it has to be very similar, very close to exactly what that is. Correct. What you've done. And so the two instances that the judge is allowing in the shaving case are similar to this. So one of the instances is where he where he actually apprehended a suspect. He put him down on the ground. The suspect could not breathe. So he turned him over on his side and put him in a position. And Chauvin got a medal for that. So the reason that that's important for the prosecution and why they want that in to show that Chauvin know you're supposed to put people on their side and Mm. not keep them face down because he actually got a medal for it, you know, for the way that he apprehended this person. So the other one that he has is a young lady that he um, arrested, he detained. He put his knee on her neck. She couldn't breathe. Um, and she made a complaint about it. So that is that goes into show that he. this is how he does his arrest. This is how he restrains people. She says that she was not resisting. And, this, and she said this is what he did. So that's how he restrains people. And now... What's important in this is that notice neither one of those he was criminally charged for. These are not criminal acts. It's acts of wrongdoing. So it can be a crime or an act of wrongdoing. Okay. That's very important to say. Okay. So with that said, those two instances have been considered admissible, meaning the judge says, hey, if you want to bring it up, you can bring up these two things. Right. And Why the is- wanted to bring up six things. The judge only allowed them to because he felt those two were similar to what happened to George Floyd. So in your opinion, why is it that the prosecutor has not admitted that into evidence at this stage? It doesn't. I don't believe that it fits into their case right now. Their case was clearly on the use of force that was their case was about George Floyd. So when I am doing and I wouldn't put it in at this point either. So Mm -hmm. when I'm doing a case, you want to prove your case with the exact facts that are happening in the court. So now, obviously, you're saving that too. Let Derek Chauvin get on the stand <laughs> and try to defend himself because then we're bringing that up. We're going to, you know, we're, we're opening all the guns. So another part of it, and I haven't done criminal in a long time, but, but I do have a lot of criminal attorney friends. Another part of it is like, listen, you're daring them to take the stand. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like take the, you know take the stand and justify what you did you know because we're going to show everybody who you are and how you how you get down but for a prosecution and i think it's really important that your audience understands prosecutors have a different different they have a different level of ethics than defense attorneys do so prosecutors represent the state of florida they don't represent a person so they're not representing they're not representing george floyd and his family They are representing the state of Minnesota. And in doing that, that means that they have an obligation to bring out all the evidence. They can't hide evidence to make their case better. They can't not disclose something to the jury that might help Chauvin, where Chauvin's attorney doesn't have that obligation to have to disclose. That's why he cannot testify. He don't have to tell anything. They can plead the fifth. He can do whatever. You know, they don't have that the same obligation that a prosecutor has. So that's why we have prosecutors really have to play by the rules. Okay, so so let me because I want to make sure because the person hearing that might hear that as, okay. if they're bringing out all the evidence, why didn't they talk about this? But what you're saying is they presented it to the judge and and pardon me for interrupting you, but I want to break down each part because I I know how folks can get lost. What you're saying is. They presented the evidence saying, hey, judge, we have this. We need you to rule on it. It doesn't necessarily mean that they will admit it, but they did have to include it to be considered to be admissible because of their ethics, correct? It, but that doesn't necessarily mean that they want to admit. Is that what you're saying? No, they don't have to bring it to the jury. They can No, not the jury. I mean, I'm sorry, the, the judge. They have to disclose it to the defendant. 
Okay. So they can't hide anything from the defendant of what they what they're going to bring, what evidence they're going to bring. Now, they have a right to, you know, they don't have to call every witness in their case. They don't have to, you know, they don't have to put on everything. If they don't feel that it it is they can't hide important stuff. But if they just feel it's cumulative, like they're just say, people are going to say the same thing over and over or someone really didn't see anything. Somebody was there but they were, you know, looking the other way or walking off and talking. They don't have to call everybody in that case. They don't have to put on all the witness. They can make their case as cohesive and as tight as can be, but they do have an obligation, one, to disclose everything that they know to the defendant. So there are no surprises here. They haven't surprised. The defendant knew everybody was going to call, knew all the evidence that they were going to introduce. Um, they also, well, they didn't know the order that they would introduce it or how they would introduce it. Okay. But the reason why I pause there is because, and I'm just going to reiterate again so people make sure they follow the conversation, is because when you say they have to bring all the evidence, I didn't want the listener to hear. I understood what you said, but I didn't want them to hear. But why didn't they bring up, you know, these two occurrences in court, you know, for the jury? And you're saying they have to explain, make sure the defendant knows, but it is still their prerogative on if they want to actually, you know, include it in their case. Right. And they can't hide the ball from the jury. So they can't like, you know, they don't they can't omit stuff that is important. They have an ethical obligation to bring the truth where the defense has an ethical obligation to defend their client. Okay, so to the list. So the listener is saying, okay, this is important. And this is where the the legal and the community's needs and desires sometimes conflict, if you will, because the community is wanting the world to know and everyone to know that, hey, Chauvin has done this before. That's why everybody's like, what about his background? What about background? So the community is like, let the jury know, because in especially when you talk about the black community, we feel when we're in the courtroom, the whole kitchen sink is thrown at us. Right. And so. Our mindset is, well, why are you holding this and just waiting on the opportunity to do it instead of putting it all on the table, throw the whole kitchen sink, leave no rule, no room whatsoever to know that this is this guy's pattern. This is what he does. He should go to jail because it's coming from a community that doesn't have faith in the judicial system. And so I can say for sure. That if and I understand where you're what you're saying from a legal standpoint, you know, and how they're building their case. But from the community standpoint, if he's acquitted, the first thing people are going to say is they should have told him how he's always done this, even if they're wrong. That's just because I think there's a need for the community, for people to know. See, we told you we know these are the things that we've been telling you about, which is why that video is so powerful, because it shows this is what we've been talking about. So so speak so to that. Here's the reason that. So let me tell you. I, the reason that I would not put it in. Now, I'm just guessing what the prosecution is doing because I have no insight on their strategy either. This okay. is why you hire a lawyer for their strategy. But the reason that I would not put it in and the reason I believe that they have not put it in is because Chauvin was he was uh, exonerated every time someone made a complaint. Mm. So that says that his police force, it was a part of they said their policy was OK with that, basically. So now you're talking about, do you want Chauvin to be convicted or do you want him to be able to say, this is how I'm trained? Ding, they ding, ding. <laughs> Pause right there, sister, because that is it. That's what I've been trying to get so that this dot can connect. Because I don't even think we talked about that before. Okay. That is it right there. Even though the trainer said we didn't train him to do this. Right. We didn't train him to do this. Well, but you what you're saying. Him every time somebody that's complains right. about it. That's right. So it leaves the, it, it lets him think. Let's just break down the simple terms. If I'm a kid and I continue to take a dollar out of my mom's pocket every single day and you catch me and there's no punishment for it, even though I know I didn't teach you to take from me, but I don't, there's no punishment for you taking out the dollar and the kids might, oh, it must be fine because there was never a punishment for it. And that is where it backfires is what you're saying, where it could backfire possibly to say, yeah. no, he was trained because he's done this before and no, he was but never got in trouble. Right. Or or, hey, he just had a bad day because he does know to turn a person over on their side. Maybe he didn't feel like he could turn George on his side because maybe he thought he would have resist more and so on and so forth. Exactly. So what you're saying, that is the key. 
And I know I know damn well nobody's talking about that on social media, the way you just broke that down, because that is really what people need to hear, because this outcry from the community right. is and I, and I just got off the phone with my friend a moment ago and he said, you know, I'm not watching the case because I'm triggered by it. And I hear this a lot. You know, I can't watch it. I can't stand to watch it. And I'm saying, but this is where we go wrong, because if we're not educating ourselves on the process, if we're not educating ourselves on how to be good jurors, if we're called, how to be good witnesses, how to, you know, what to look for, what a fair trial looks like, then we're really, really in trouble. And that's why, again, I'm so glad you brought it to my attention when we had this conversation offline. And I tell folks this all the time, even with the Me Too movement, we can never advocate against a fair trial. You know, I hear people saying this trial should be over with. We got the tape. We got the this. Why are they not moving forward? And I said, think about who's at the defendant table most times. Black people. Why? Not because black people commit the most crimes, but because we're charged the most, we're arrested the most, we're convicted the most. So because of that, we, and, and I'm not even saying that by giving Chauvin a fair trial, all of a sudden everybody's going to get a fair trial. Those are two different things. But what I'm saying is we must always advocate for due process because when we advocate for due process, it is also advocating for us to receive due process. And we can't just go by, my friend, I really pointed out, he, I said, we can't just go by the tape. And I'm, I'm going to let you respond. I'm going to finish this statement. I said, there's right now, there's a series, I believe it's on Netflix, The Innocent Files. And they have a whole series talking about face recognition uh, or, you know, misidentifying people, you know, from being able to say, hey, that was the person that did the crime. And people that did time, they've been able to show how people have misidentified people and always went with, well, she said that's who did it. So as long as she said it, that's fine. Even if you have an alibi, even if it's something else. And that has systematically because it's the white woman on the stand saying the black guy did it, institutional racism, biases that we may not even be aware of. They broke it down, Natalie, to even show how if you're not familiar with another culture, you can't tell the difference between that black person and this black person and different features and how to recognize it. And they say we all do it. Black people do it. White people do it. Asian community does it where we don't recognize the differences in our feature features. And they were able to show, which the Innocent Project is a part of that, how uh, so many people have done time based upon somebody's word. So when we say, even though we saw the tape and we know what we saw, it is still important to have due process to go through the entire trial, because if we advocate against that, then we are hurting ourselves. Right. And and so I 100% agree with you. And you know that for me, you know, it, it's always kind of a double-edged sword because for us, we normally don't, we normally don't get a trial like this. You're not going to get a trial with 38 witnesses for the prosecution, mm -hmm. uh, you know, our 38 witnesses for the defense and a multi-million dollar, you know, all these experts and stuff like this. This trial is extraordinary. Well, I have never seen a police prosecution case like this. And I really give Jerry Blackwell credit for that because Jerry Blackwell did say, I feel like Jerry Blackwell is trying to give black people and George Floyd's family the trial they deserve. Mm -hmm. That's what I, that's what I have seen with this trial. And Keith Ellison. Because with all these experts that he put on, all these doctors, you know, he went through every police officer that was there <laughs> and went through them. You know, we don't usually get this. You might get one or two police officers that wrote the report. You might get, you know, one expert that is usually somebody who worked for the city anyway or whatever, you're not going to get this quality of trial. These are the, This is the quality of trial we see in civil trials when we're talking about money. This is the kind of stuff we do. Like you don't usually see it in criminal trials. Do you so, think that's mis going to mislead people? Because that's one of my concerns, that after this, people uh, will leave with the impression that this is how it always is. I've been talking about that every time I get on TV. Like, understand, this is very different. It's not always like this. We need to be paying attention. Do you think this will move us forward with more understanding on how the law works? Or will we even have even more education to do because we'll have this type of expectation? So what you were saying about, you know, everybody deserves due process. This is one thing. The laws in America, as far as how trials work and how civil, that's not broken. Those are good laws. Those are good rules. It is systemic racism is the the built in culture of it and the built, you know, people bringing their biases and all of that stuff in it. But when you really look at it, you know, that every we'd rather have 100 million go free than one man get one innocent man 
be convicted. That's really what America is based on in their laws. There are some things that are in there that are systemic. There are some rules that are systemic and it racist. But on the whole, we do have a very good system. So I think that, you know, what we have to have is the judges, the prosecutors, the police. They are part of that system. And so that's when you get the systemic racism coming in, the way that they are taught. You heard this expert today who was the defense use of force expert talk. And, you know, someone said he's lying. I said, no, he's not lying. That's what he believes. <laughs> he really does believe that's how you treat suspects. So, you know, it's wrong and it is it is totally biased against for against a certain people, but he said that he was a cop for 22 years, and I believe he operated that way for 22 years out on the street and treated people that way for 22 years. And he trained people, and which goes the people. which goes to the argument when we say we need more training. We need more training. It's not always just more training because if that's right, and we talked about that on the last pod, and we talked about that before this guy got up, which proves that we were absolutely right on the last podcast, which is. It's not always about training because that just means spending more money for guys like him to misinform right. or misinform. that's right. Or in his area, I guess the training that he had, which was not in Minnesota, they did teach, you know, uh, the prone position, but Derek Chauvin, they, they never they asked him when they taught that though. So that's one of the things that I, he was a police officer. How long ago he said he was a, for 22 years and retired. How long ago was he a police officer when they trained that? They right. have new techniques like they have. It's constantly evolving policing. So but I, I was really kind of like they should really challenge him on that. But then also just kind of going back to training, uh, Chauvin had uh, plenty of training, you know, and even still, again, going back to the point. Right, right. He's done this before. He's gotten away with it before. Uh, he's had hours upon hours upon hours. The guy also today bro brought up the superhuman. Notice that. Right. Right, that he, he, that. Yeah. yeah, he brought and remember that last that medical the medical quote unquote training coordinator also brought up superhuman strength. Prosecution's um, use of force expert. He's he admitted that excited deliberate delirium is not recognized by the, the um, medical doctors or psychiatrists. It's not in any of those books, but police still train on it. So I thought that was really interesting, and this just goes to show you know that there. They're training on something that has traditionally been used to justify the the um, Superman strength, crazed drug addict black man. <laughs> you know, that's what it's traditionally been used for. So they're still even though we've had some different things, they're still being trained on this stuff. There may need to be review of policies in some cases, but I think until we really enforce the policies that they have, because in Minnesota, when they went down those policies, those policies were textbook. <laughs> what that police chief testified to is textbook. That is what we want policing in America to look like, his testimony. Is it in his force? Hell no. <laughs> is it, you know, is it? So that goes to what you, you were just talking about, Ted, the culture. If you have to change the culture, you can change all the policies you want. The final season of Power Book 2 Ghost is here, and no one's future is safe. After surviving a hit on her life, Monet, played brilliantly by Mary J. Blige, has to reckon with what led her to almost lose everything and to atone for the life she has forced her children to live. And on the other side of the coin, Davis, portrayed by the multi-talented Method Man, is suspended and on the verge of losing his law license. Desperate to survive, he fully embraces the criminal underbelly of his enterprise and finds himself working for both sides. Loyal to whichever one benefits him most. And then, of course, there's Tariq, who finds himself at rock bottom and facing threats from every angle. With his future in the game in serious doubt and his family's safety on the line, will he lean into the St. Patrick name and do whatever has to be done to get back on top? Like father, like son. Power Book 2, Ghost, the final season. Watch now, only on Stars and the Stars app. In the pressure cooker of the NBA playoffs, there's no room to fake it. When the NBA championship is on the line, every pass, every shot, and every dribble is immediately, undeniably consequential. The playoffs are the time for the real. Real stakes, real emotions, real sweat, real blood, and real tears. Trust me, I know what it takes to bring home a championship ring. The regular season is tough, but these games are a completely different level. Now is the time when legacies are made. 
The best team will bring home the Larry O'Brien trophy and add their name to basketball history. Will we see a battle between marquee franchises or will we see a new champion crowned? Which teams will rise from the chaos? Which teams will conquer? Which team is going to make this year their year? These are the moments of unscripted, pure entertainment that only happen on the hardwood. You've waited all season for this. It's time to take it to the next level. The NBA Finals continue. Tune in on ABC. There are moments in life that are so special that you have to capture them and save them forever. They are one of those once-in-a-lifetime events like your baby's first steps, the first time you bring your family pet home, or your daughter's first dance performance. With iPhone 15 Pro, more storage means you don't have to delete anything that can become a lasting memory one day. And it's important to be able to share these moments with family members who weren't there to see them in person. Store more, share more, connect with iPhone 15 Pro on AT&T. Get iPhone 15 Pro on AT&T and get an iPad and an Apple Watch for 99 cents per month each. AT&T, connecting changes everything. Limited time offer requires 0% APR, 36-month agreement on each. Well-qualified customers. Other terms and restrictions apply. See att.com slash iPhone for details. I know we don't have a lot of time to delve into this case, but, you know, it's obvious, you know, it's happening right now, you know, with the Dante Wright case. Again, policy of not firing in a moving vehicle or tasering a moving vehicle. So even if it was an accident, which not a lot of people are buying, but let's just say it was an accident. How do we explain pulling out either a taser or a gun? Yes. When he's pretty much... Would you would, do you classify it as a moving vehicle though, Nally? Break that down, because because no, I've, I've heard a lot of pundits say that because he's in a vehicle, they shouldn't have done it. Drove away. It leads me to believe that he had the vehicle on. He didn't turn it on after he was shot. I'm thinking, but I don't know. This is all guessing, so I I don't want to really guess for your viewers. But I will say the fact that you have guns out and at the ready. What we saw in George Floyd case. Let's bring it back there. They showed video of his 2019 arrest. Guns out at the ready. Yes. I'm so glad you brought it up. And I'm so glad they showed that. Yeah, the defense, I guess, did the defense think that was, gonna, I loved it. Now the defense thought, I guess there was going to be some major bombshell. Let's really break that in our, the last little time we have remaining. What showed in 2019 was you guys are quick to pull out your gun. Right. The man was literally begging not to get shot then. Not on, you have guns out on misdemeanor. Right against the Supreme Court case of Graham versus Connor. That's right. Guns drawn. He's begging for his life then. Do they notice the pattern that every time and, and it's amazing. It's like, I love man, the the prosecutor, uh, what's her name? Aaron. She is badass. I love how she, you know, they said she was aggressive. You and I were texting about it and I said, I loved it because she got straight down to it. Did you hear all of the different, basically she was saying all of the different commands that are coming at you when you have a gun in your face? You know what it reminds me of? Set it off. Oh, remember? Yeah. yeah remember when she said, what would you do if you had a gun in your face mm-hmm. and kept pressuring her on how, how do I know how to respond? When a gun is to my face. And remember in that movie, for those who haven't watched Set It Off, I hope that if you listen to me, you have seen Set It Off. But if you have not, at the end, that was the main thing that really, you know, triggered her pain. It changed. We just break the, even though that's a fiction movie, let's just think about it. Because she was doing the right thing and was put into a situation and accused of something and, you know, her decided, you know what, I'm going to get back at the system. And then at the end, the main thing that she wanted that cop to know, what do you do when a gun is in your face? That is so it just gave me chills because it's so profound on the trauma. That's all I thought about on the trauma that we have as a community that makes someone feel that they're going to lose their life. Whether it's Dante trying to flee, which I think Attorney Crump brought up a good point. He said it wasn't the best decision. He said, but young folks don't make the best decisions all the time. Who is the adult in the situation? Who is the 26 year veteran in the situation? Who is the person that knows, you know, how to how to think through these situations? No accountability goes on them. And you have to think about when we see police, unfortunately, the response is not, oh, they're here to help me. With all of the trauma that is going around now, it, it the mindset is they're here to kill me. So how do you respond when you feel 
that your life is in danger. I'm talking about it, Taz. You know, it's just like the total disregard of life. You can let that boy go. You got his license plate. You probably got his license. I don't know. But really over this misdemeanor, you take, you're going to pull out your gun and shoot a 20 year old and lose his life over this. It, to me, it, you, you are not in danger. Your life is not in danger. She, you, he's not going to hurt you. He's not hurting anybody else. There's nobody. Why can't you? Why, why do you have to make the choice to pull out a gun to kill? And you know what? Even if she shot by accident, what I'm not going to subscribe to is that pulling out the gun was an accident. If anything, she pulled it out to, once again, stoke fear. It seems these folks love putting the fear of God in, in people's eye, you know, in their in their soul. So if it was an accident, which I do not believe, I want to make that clear, I do not believe it was an accident. But if it was an accident, she definitely meant to pull out the gun as a way to deter him from his behavior and either accidentally shot or intentionally shot but it's just hard for me to believe that you got uh, confused between an eight ounce taser and a two pound weapon. What's your thought on that? I don't know enough about this case to, to say whether it not was an accident or not. What I do know is that a 20 year old died over some bullshit. That's what mm-hmm. I do. And mm-hmm. that's what's happening on all these cases. And it does not happen to white kids. It does not happen to anybody but black kids when this stuff happens. So there is some there is some racial thing in this equation that we have to talk about. When you see a Dylan Roof get escorted out of a church after he has shot and killed many people, when you see a Kyle Rittenhouse get escorted to the police and and walk right past the police with his hands up after somebody's been shot. We don't see it. We saw witnesses in the George Floyd case get treated like they were criminals who were trying to help George Floyd. We saw them be threatened and get treated like criminals. This is the this is the thing that nobody really wants to talk about. And I think that this is the this is why George Floyd's case is so important. His case is so important because you actually have to deal with why is it George Floyd with a knee on the neck? and being treated so abusively over a fake $20 bill. When we see other cases where it's a white person and they're getting, which is egregious, they're getting escorted and they're getting treated with all kind of guard. When we see the Capitol building being stormed, when we see all of that. I think that, you know, at a certain point, this is the reckoning that we have to deal with. And they're really going to have to deal with it if this verdict comes back a different way. It Mm -hmm. is the reckoning and it is the, it is the, you know, the house that they have built. <laughs> the house that they have built. Mm-hmm. Well, I know we only have a few moments left. I'm afraid to get into another topic because I know it might go longer. Um, well, and- so I want to make sure that um, your viewers understand when we're talking about the evidence rule. Okay. So lawyers put together their trial and they put together their trial strategy. We have to think about all these things. Everything that we do is a double-edged sword. (laughs) There is nothing that you don't do in a trial that can't come back and bite you in the butt. That is a part of, that is really what, what we're thinking about. And we're thinking about all these rules of evidence. Remember, there's going to be, before you get to that trial, there's going to be so many things that have happened pre-trial in motion practice where you're trying to get judge to decide on what evidence will be let in and what evidence won't be let in. So I believe that, you know, the prosecution in this case, when I say that they have an obligation to bring everything to the front, I believe that that is one of the things that they have done. They have put on more witness. They put on more witnesses than I would have as a defense lawyer. You know, they've done all of this and and really have put the cards on the table. Well, um, you know, per se. Now, what happens also in a criminal trial is that a criminal defendant gets a lot of leeway, and this is why you're seeing this judge. I feel like the judge has made some pretty kind of iffy rulings, but. He's going to give this defendant a lot of leeway, and he's going to do that because they don't want to have appeals. It costs money to have appeals. It costs money, you know, to make them evidentiary mistake on something, especially a case where, you know, you kind of know, and this is not right, and it's not what you really should do. But judges, in reality, this is what judges do. If they feel like uh, you're probably going to get convicted, they might let in some more stuff so you don't have nothing to appeal. (laughs) They might let in more stuff than than they normally would, you know. 
as far as like are more objections to sustain more objections from the defense than they normally would because they're trying to not, they're trying to avoid that appeal. They're trying to avoid that mistrial. Do you think overall he's been pretty fair though? Would you say? I don't know because I feel like um, you know, for from a judge, it's a hard. It's kind of a hard job, especially when you're on national television and you're being these. A lot of these um, rulings, they're they're not so cut and dry. They're, they're it involves some sub- subjectivity. So yes, I will say that he will. He was. The final season of Power Book Two Ghost is here, and no one's future is safe. After surviving a hit on her life, Monet, played brilliantly by Mary J. Blige, has to reckon with what led her to almost lose everything and to atone for the life she has forced her children to live. And on the other side of the coin, Davis, portrayed by the multi-talented Method Man, is suspended and on the verge of losing his law license. Desperate to survive, he fully embraces the criminal underbelly of his enterprise and finds himself working for both sides, loyal to whichever one benefits him most. And then, of course, there's Tariq, who finds himself at rock bottom and facing threats from every angle. With his future in the game in serious doubt and his family safety on the line, will he lean into the St. Patrick name and do whatever has to be done to get back on top? Like father, like son. Power Book 2, Ghost, the final season. Watch now, only on Stars and the Stars app. In the pressure cooker of the NBA playoffs, there's no room to fake it. When the NBA championship is on the line, every pass, every shot, and every dribble is immediately, undeniably consequential. The playoffs are the time for the real. Real stakes, real emotions, real sweat, real blood, and real tears. Trust me, I know what it takes to bring home a championship ring. The regular season is tough, but these games are a completely different level. Now is the time when legacies are made. The best team will bring home the Larry O'Brien Trophy and add their name to basketball history. Will we see a battle between marquee franchises or will we see a new champion crowned? Which teams will rise from the chaos? Which teams will conquer? Which team is going to make this year? Their year. These are the moments of unscripted, pure entertainment that only happen on the hardwood. You've waited all season for this. It's time to take it to the next level. The NBA Finals continue. Tune in on ABC. There are moments in life that are so special that you have to capture them and save them forever. They are one of those once-in-a-lifetime events, like your baby's first steps, the first time you bring your family pet home, or your daughter's first dance performance. With iPhone 15 Pro, more storage means you don't have to delete anything that can become a lasting memory one day. And it's important to be able to share these moments with family members who weren't there to see them in person. Store more, share more. Connect with iPhone 15 Pro on AT&T. Get iPhone 15 Pro on AT&T and get an iPad and Apple Watch for 99 cents per month each. AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Limited time offer. Requires 0% APR. 36-month agreement on each. Well-qualified customers. Other terms and restrictions apply. See att.com slash iPhone for details. And I think, and I, and I just, you know, that's all I do is sit up and listen to commentary all day and give commentary. And I would say that the consensus has seemed to be on both sides, a consensus that he's been somewhat fair, you know, certainly not obviously biased towards one side or the other. I think there's always going to be somebody that's going to say, no, he should have did this or that. You know, I think there's always some bias in it, but if we just had to be objective, considering all of the circumstances and everything involved. So for example, I would have, if, if he was really biased towards the defense or really by, you know, when they asked for the the jury to be uh, sequestered, when they asked for, after the lawsuit happened and they asked for, you know, the trial to be moved and all of those things. I, I think he kept some fairness and balance in that that I think actually helps on the prosecution side, but could back Let's talk about this question really quick. I think that's a rule. Judges are moving more, courts are moving more and more away from sequestering. We're in an age now where you got the cell phones, you got sequestering worked when you had that one TV with three channels. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> uh, we're at a different age now, and this is the thing, the court that has to keep up with it. So if he would have sequestered the jury after this shooting, the shooting already happened. <laughs> We know about the shooting so you know it's like at this point you're sequestering I, I think that he made the right decision there I don't think that really there you the jury instruction will tell the jury that they should only base their decision on the evidence that was presented in court which we know that they don't but that's but what they, the instructions uh, say but they, the people the people who don't do that have never done it 
Right. Yeah. I just want to put that out there that they don't. But I'm just saying the fact that he didn't push that line. Right. It shows some fairness is all I'm saying. Right. I'm, I think he made the right decision. But I was say about this judge in media, One of the things we learn in law is that in mediation, for instance, when you're trying to negotiate something or get something that you want it. And this is probably how a judge sees it, because a judge is just the referee. <laughs> They're making the calls. They're a referee making the calls, whether it's fair, out, whatever. Um, everybody should be a little mad. You know, everybody should. That's how you can kind of tell if it's fair. If everybody walking away feeling like it wasn't fair. Mm-hmm. So that, that's how, and I think that that's how judges see it. So I'll give him. Yes, I'll say that he was fair. He's yeah. Fair. And the reason why I'm saying that as we wrap up is because I want people to learn how to look at things objectively uh, and not. So this is a very emotional case. It is natural to have emotion. It is natural to be triggered. It is natural to have thoughts of our family members and certain things that connect with us emotionally. You know, I think you and I talked about this because even with with DMX passing and his drug abuse, uh, his addiction problems, if you will, for me, that even connected to this case because a lot of folks feel bad about what happened with George Floyd. And a lot of us have family members who have suffered. I have you know, of addiction their whole life. And, and DMX was so loved by so many people that they felt kind of like a, a real loss, you know, kind of different than just watching, you know, you're, you're watching what happened. Oh, you know, that's bad that happened with George Floyd. That's messed up. But people kind of talking about the system overall. Uh, his family obviously felt a personal loss. But with DMX, because uh, a lot of us, you know, grew up with him or grew up around, he's oh, 10 plus years older than me, but I grew up on that music. And you start to make a connection, you know, with that celebrity or that actor and everybody rooted for DMX. So I'm just connecting that because when he passed that Friday, it was after the week of uh, George's drug uh, addiction being introduced. And it just kind of it hit heavy on that weekend. It was just a lot, you know, going on with just we we still love people as people, regardless of what they struggle with. So the reason why I'm saying about being objective is because there's so many personal connections that we have with this case, frustration, that I want people to try to have the courage to to watch it and to try to look at things objectively so that we can learn. Because sometimes when you're so emotionally involved, you 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 truly don't see anything but tunnel vision on what you know, you know, even if it's true. Agree, but I think like what people are having a hard time with is that that kind of seems to only be told to black people. Yeah, <laughs> what you saying? You know, to be objective, to do this, it would be like if I if there were witnesses that saw someone shoot somebody. You there were eyewitnesses. You walk up to somebody, you shoot someone, you kill them, right? And versus the person who somebody's shooting somebody from the grassy knoll, and they go get somebody and say this was the person. Oh, well, let me let me be clear. I'm not saying be objective to the system. The system is racist and need to be torn down and rebuilt. What I'm saying is I want us to learn. I'm just speaking from an educator standpoint. We have to learn the game. If you don't know the game, we don't know how to play the game. And I'm saying that to say that we have to know what the problems are specifically, not just saying, hey, it's all racist. We got to know, Okay, is this a rule we need to change? Do we need to change rule 404? And Why shouldn't we? If you're so emotionally involved where you're turning it off. And not watching or learning because that's that's what I mean. So I'm glad you brought it up for clarity. Because they don't want to be gaslit. Right, <laughs> but you got. But I need people to know because if you don't know, turned it off today. Come yeah, on. but that. But you already know. I'm talking about the person at home that is just. I'm gonna turn it off and put my head in the sand, and I need them to be educated because if they're not educated on what to change, that's the next step. If he's acquitted. Or if he's convicted, we have another step after this, which is still changing this policy. So I'm always trying to get people on the ground to know what to fight for. And if you're not paying attention, if you're not educated, that's what I mean when I say be objective. I'm not saying give somebody the benefit of the doubt. Let me correct that. I'm saying remove enough emotion so that you can learn. I want people to get the game so you understand how do how do we how do we play this game? Because what's happening is that game posts always move. It's it hard. always move, but we gotta keep we gotta keep up though. We can't just keep saying. I'm just saying some people like hey, we ain't playing no game. We don't want to hear this. This some bullshit. Yeah, yeah, but that but I don't need them to do that though. <laughs> but I, we can't afford for them to do it. Some of us gotta watch. 
Some of us got to pay attention. People like me and you that are going to watch. Some people, this is tra this is trauma porn over and over. And this is so, for some people, this is, they see the, mo the gold post being moved every time. They see, they know if they were David, Derek Chevin, they would be under the jail. Right. But let me, but hear me out. I'm not, I'm not disagreeing with that. That's not the point I'm making. The point I'm making is a lot of people, folks can't see because we're not showing the video, but you know, I have my push the line shirt on right now. At the bottom, each person does something different. Your job may be to push the P, you know, in the policy and the law. My job may be a commentator. I'm not asking for everybody to get involved at the same level. And everybody don't have the same capacity. What I'm saying is this will meet you at your doorstep at some point in time, whether it's you or six degrees of separation. And the reason why this is so important, now I'm not saying they got to watch the trial all day, beginning to end. I'm just saying if it's an article, read it. If it's listening to this, read it. If it's a recap, read it. Somebody on my wall said today, Tez, I can't watch the trial, but I'm at least coming to your wall with updates. But I still caution people with that because a lot of commentators have agendas. They're pushing certain agendas. So you might be listening to the wrong person. So as, as an, an activist on the ground, as an organizer, I can't stress enough because even if I say, hey, y'all need to watch, don't worry about it. Eight people are still not going to watch. I have to push watch just to even get those two. What I can never say is, hey, I get it, y'all. I know y'all don't want me to bother with it because guess what? All 10 won't do it. So I'm always looking at the numbers and trying to get as many as possible because I already know I'm going to fall short. But if I give them a reason to escape, to leave, to not do it, they won't do it. And I have to be honest and say some people are triggered from trauma, but also, Natalie, there's some people that don't want to be triggered because they don't want to have to do a goddamn thing about it. When people get triggered to say, damn, this is messed up. They don't want to have to say, what do I do about it? They don't want the responsibility. Sometimes this is a cop out for people to, to it's called avoidance to be able to say, well, you know what? I don't want to do. I give you an example and I will shut up because I know you got to go in five minutes. We went to uh, on my family reunion. We went to the uh, a plantation and some of the, my family members, she said, you know, I don't want to go. It's so emotional for me. I can't take it. I, you know, I'll cry. I can't do it. I don't want to do it for me because I'm always on the ground. I couldn't wait to go. Because I wanted to put my feet on the soil. I wanted to feel the ancestors. I wanted to know, hey, this is why I'm fighting. This is why I'm doing what I'm doing. It gave me motivation because I'm getting up off my ass and doing something about it. Some people don't want to go because if those tears, what my daddy called crocodile tears, if those tears hit you and you claim you're so emotional, so trauma, but you're able to go home and put your head in the sand and not do nothing. I don't give a shit if it's nothing but saying something on Facebook, sharing something, making a comment, maybe writing a letter to your commissioner. One damn thing that you can do when you are saying you're so traumatized that you can't do it, but you can fill up your head most of the week with bullshit, bullshit memes, reality shows, junk, junk music, junk relationships, bullshit, toxicity everywhere, but you can't figure out one thing to do to move our people forward. I'm not buying that shit. What I'm buying is you are sticking your head in the sand to use it as an excuse to not get up off your ass. And until we get up off our ass, because I have no faith in the police. I have no faith in the system. I have faith in us. I'm betting on us. I'm not praying for these people to change their mind and their hearts. I'm praying that God gives us to continue to give us the strength. Because if you and I lose our minds tomorrow and there's nobody left to fight this fight because you can really lose your mind being around this type of trauma all the time. My friend asked me, said, how the hell do you do this? How do you stay in this trauma all the time? Well, brother, I need you paying attention because if something happened to me, who going to continue to run the ball? And that's where we make the mistake, Natalie, because we don't take the time to educate ourselves. And that's why we don't do jury selection. And that's why we don't know how to be good witnesses. And that's why we don't know, you know, how to move and navigate because we say, oh, no, it's just too much for us. And I just challenge them, sis. That it's not always, it's no more than what it was to George Floyd who lost his life. If he can lose his life to make the goddamn sacrifice and read an article at least one time a week, do something. Make the sacrifice. And. No, I'm ah, the <laughs> church. Yes. <laughs> you done gave a sermon. I love it. And guess what? I'm going to go ahead and do some damn things. <laughs> Well, you already doing something, but I just wanted to make that clear. We don't want to give no excuses. I need my people as we close up. I need my people on board. 
and the audacity of us to sit back in our comfortable couches and houses and and making money. This generation is certainly doing better than the last and the one before that and before that. And we have seen change and it's not fair and intellectually dishonest to say that nothing has changed because just last year, 100 cities put new policy in place. That's a fact. Colorado has ended qualified immunity. New York City has ended qualified immunity. Some things have changed. It's not changing as fast as we want. I would say that on two of the cases that I worked on and one ones I'm working on with Ben Crop, we have in Florida, we have um, gotten policies where police can't shoot into cars. That's so right. That is that it is change. And you are you're absolutely right. And it's work. And it's amazing that you still have police officers that police departments that are still training that they can shoot in the cars, moving cars. You can imagine how dangerous that is just to people who might be there. That's right. <laughs> and, and what I found when people say, oh, you know, nothing's changing. So fuck it. I'm just not going to watch it. That's why it's so important for us to talk about. No, this is actually what's, what's changing. This is making a difference because they'll hear that advice, Natalie, quicker than they will challenging them to do something. Well, one thing that changed today, I know that expert ain't getting no more jobs. <laughs> <laughs> well the racist he might he might the racist might bring him in all over the country to, to uh to be a thing speaking engagements but he ain't getting no expert <laughs> expert um testifying jobs right you can underestimate you can't underestimate racism their donations I, i'll say this and then i'm truly off the soapbox you know how i know it changes even in this situation marcy my producer has said multiple times she wanted to produce a show like this that was about change and important. But even her, just by being a part of this, she said, Tess, I really it got to the point where I was like, fuck it, there's no point in voting. What's the difference? But by being exposed, and this is a highly intelligent woman, fight the power to the highest level of fight the power. But even by being exposed to more information, you're able to see, okay, my, my work is not in vain. And I think we spend a lot of time selling the idea that it, it never happened. You and I are motivated to do it all the time. But the average person says, you know what? It doesn't. So fuck it. No point. And, and we just really need them on board because had they not been on board and I give you your flowers again as we close. What you did with the Trayvon Martin case that educated this last generation plus. And that is why you see the witnesses that you see now that you did not see then. That is why that witness was able to say, hey, I'm not going to let you make me an angry black man. Where did that conversation come from? Came, where did that line come from? It came from the movement. When that late, when the white girl said, the police are always messing with somebody and it's not right, which I would have asked to strike, but they let it ride. When she said, and it's not right, that came from education from the movement. Otherwise, she wouldn't have never known that. So this is why we have to stay involved. Set your trauma aside and think about the trauma of the collective or the trauma that can knock at your door and take your life or your friend's life to at least get some education. I get it. You don't want to see a, a man keep getting killed on video over and over. That's understandable. Hit the mute button in and chime back in at the end of the day and at least listen to the commentary wrap up, you know, on what actually happened because we have to stay ed educated. Thank you, sis. Thank you for letting me on the show. That was... Well, I wouldn't let you do nothing because you're my big sister. So whatever you say, go. Education and a sermon, and I love you for it. That's the test I know. <laughs> Yo, I love you, and thank you so much for educating us, Natalie, and not just us. I, I really want people to know you spend an exorbitant amount of time just trying to get people to understand, not paid for it. You are just you spend a whole lot. You know, I tell you all the time, Natalie, put that on the blog. You educating folks on Facebook, writing books, but I want to be clear: you also understand how important it is that people have the right information. So I want to make that clear. You and I are the same with that. And so thank you for coming by. We're going to talk to you again next week. And by then, by the time we have you back on, they should have the closing arguments at that time. So guys, make sure that you follow and follow Natalie as well. Check her out. She's been everywhere, CNN, Court TV. She's everywhere. I'm so excited because she's never been a person that runs towards the camera, but she absolutely should because number one, she's beautiful inside now, beautiful spirit. And more importantly, you just have a wealth of knowledge. So thank you again, sis, for kicking off this movement. I know we've had a lot of civil rights stuff done, but we cannot omit the murder of Trayvon Martin kicked off this generation uh, with understanding the importance of how this thing works. And you are a part of that. We're, we're a part of that, still a part of that. And you're a queen and we love you. Thank you. Thank you. 
If you like what you heard on Straight Shot No Chaser, please subscribe and drop a five-star review and tell a friend. Straight Shot No Chaser is a production of the Black Effect Podcast Network and iHeartRadio. I'm Tesla Figaro, and I'd like to thank our producer, editor, mixer, the one and only Marcy DePina, our mix master, Dwayne Crawford, and our executive producer, Charlemagne God. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX is Clipped. Now streaming only on Hulu. In the pressure cooker of the NBA playoffs, there's no room to fake it. Every pass, shot, and dribble is immediately consequential. The playoffs are the time for the real. Real stakes, real emotions, real sweat, blood, and tears, real legacies. Which teams will rise from the chaos? Which teams will conquer? Which team is going to make this year their year? You already know when and where to find these moments of unscripted, pure entertainment. The NBA Finals continue. Tune in on ABC. High Five Casino Casino is a social casino with real prizes and big Vegas hits at HighFiveCasino.com. The hottest games right from Vegas and all winnings go straight to your bank account. Hundreds of exclusive games, free daily rewards, and come back to get free coins every four hours. Only at HighFiveCasino.com. High Five Casino is a social casino. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited. Play responsibly. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details at High5Casino.com. High Five Casino.